We are creatures of desire. What we most desire is meaning. What makes us suffer most is a lack of meaning. The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. Marital therapist, author, and communications trainer Andrew G. Marshall invites guests from all walks of life to discuss what makes life meaningful. Hello, I'm Andrew G. Marshall. Welcome to The Meaningful Life. On today's episode, we're going to discuss stress reduction and breathing exercises, two topics which fit neatly together, and a third one which is more surprising. My witness today is Josephine Vorsek, who believes cold can be a great teacher. And when she says cold, she really means it. Arctic swimming when the temperature outside is minus 17 and climbing snowy mountains in shorts and t-shirts. She's the author of the book Die Heilkraft der Kälte, which means the healing power of cold, which sadly is only available in German. She lives just down the road from me in Potsdam, Germany. Welcome to The Meaningful Life, Josephine. My guess is that while most people dread the arrival of winter, that you quite look forward to it. Why might that be? Yes, it's absolutely right, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to talk about my passions um, today. Yes, and I, I do enjoy cold and cold exposure in winter. Just because in winter, like the cold is everywhere and you can in a way, yeah, use it for yourself to gain physical strengths, like improve your immune system, train your cardiovascular system, reduce stress and yeah, learn how to deal better with stressful situations. So I think it's great that in winter, it's there for free for everybody. And in Germany, in the sort of east part of Germany, where we live, you can get some really true cold. I think the very first time I really experienced true colds was one year, many, many years ago, I came to Berlin just after the wall had um, come down and there was a wind coming from Siberia and my gosh, was it cold. Just walking from the out of the U-Bahn into a cafe around the corner, you froze to the bone. It can be really cold here. So I really should address you as Dr. Josephine, because you have a PhD in molecular biology. My guess is you never thought you'd be teaching people to immerse themselves in cold water and breathing exercises for stress reduction. So what happened? Yeah, Andrew, that's right. Yeah. And please just call me Josephine. That's absolutely fine. Most people do. <laughs> and I like that. Yeah. When I, when I did my PhD, I mean, I was very, or I'm still very interested in biology and how the body works and how we can improve our health. But very soon, like, or not very soon, but 10 years after I started to study, I more and more realized that, yeah, what we do in research and biology, it's more like, it's pretty lonely. <laughs> That's the first thing you sit in your lab and you hear the sound of pipettes clicking, being like, toot, toot. And then you sit in front of your computer and you look at the results and you're like, mm, what do I do with that? Next experiment. And then again, like, peep pipettes. <laughs> it's a little bit like it's a little bit lonely work. And I felt like, I mean, I do love to communicate with people. And I felt like, oh, I'm not really using my full power here because I was just working on my own mostly in a very small team. That was the first thing. And the second thing was that I also realized that my work does not really have such an impact as I've hoped for when I was like 18 years old and started to study biology. Like I had the big hope and the big idealism that one day our research would be like groundbreaking and to make people feel better and be better. But yeah, when I was in the, like in my PhD, doing my PhD, I realized more and more that also research is about making money and getting funds. Like in big pharma, it's really about making money, money. But in also research, it's about money, like research fund money. And it's limiting also what you can do. And it's pushing the process like you have a lot of pressure like all the scientists out there they really I feel with them they have a lot of pressure because I've been there and that also leads to publishing things that maybe are not 100% ready yet 
So you had some burnout, didn't you? Yeah, like in that time, like, yeah, I mentioned like there was a lot of pressure. I also was like felt the pressure to finish my PhD. And I think like a, a burnout is never only one thing. It's never only the pressure. I mean, we all have pressure in our life. And I also have nowadays work-related pressure. <laughs> and I think that's, that's fine. But I do it with joy because what I'm doing, I see a, a purpose, and I get a lot of return of investment in smiles and in feedback. And I really love that. But in that position, I did not see the purpose. I was like, damn, okay, so I'm looking at one little piece of the puzzle. It's so small. I don't know how I will make ever an impact. I never get feedback for anything that I'm doing. And so I think the combination of pressure and not seeing a point did really like break me um, then. And I, I had a burnout or depression. I don't know how to like tell these <laughs> things apart really, but maybe it was a combination. I don't know. And I took like a gap year and I was very happy that I like after I finished my PhD I took a gap year to kind of sort myself and find out what I want because the 18 year old girl that started to study biology was disappointed and did not really know after 10 years like damn what should I do with these 10 years of my life that I have invested so much learning and so much time what do I do with that it doesn't feel like I want to continue that path but actually where do I go now and during that time I also came across meditation and yeah, stress reduction exercises and then these really did help me to feel better and start to feel my body again and start to feel my needs and like listen more to my inner voice yeah and in a moment, we're going to do one of those breathing exercises to sort of ground us today, because um, let's face it, most of us are dealing with quite a lot of stress. I think it will be useful to sort of calm down. But my guess is that the stress reduction and the breathing exercises and cold go together in some way. Perhaps you can explain for us. Yeah, for sure. They, they go hand in hand. When you change your breathing pattern, you can influence your autonomic nervous system. And it's called like autonomic nervous system because, yeah, it's an old name. <laughs> like it's uh, meant to kind of autonomously do all the things in your body that it needs to do, like influencing your immune system, your breathing, your digestion, and all the other things you can think of. And most people are aware of the fact that when they are like running for a bus, for example, being very active, their breathing is different than if they chill on the couch at home. And yeah. the autonomic nervous system is doing that for you. It's regulating your heartbeat up. It's regulating your breathing up. And that's most people are very aware of that fact. But what we are not aware of, or most people are not aware of, is that when you change your breathing, like you tell your body to actively, because you can uh, change your breathing. We all can do yep. that. We all can hold our breath in that moment when I tell you. If we slow down our breathing and use, for example, nose breathing that goes very deeply into the belly and breathe long exhales, then we also influence our autonomic nervous system and we kind of get into that state of chilling on the couch, although we might be about to give a presentation in front of 100 or even more people. And that is really powerful. And that is a combination of stress and stress reduction and breathing. And in the cold, it's kind of the same. I mean, it's kind of giving a presentation in front of 100 people or more. It's like a situation <laughs> where most people think like, oh my God, I'm afraid. I don't want to do it. Uh, my heartbeat goes up. Like when I think of it, will I fail? And all these like fears that are coming up. And here you can also use your breath and stress reduction to kind of first bring your body and your mind into a state where you can actually convince yourself to make that step into the ice bars. And once you have managed that a few times to kind of deal with a strong trigger of cold exposure, your body will learn like, hey, this is not so life-threatening. It's like giving... You know, after your, I don't know, 10s or 20s uh, presentation in front of, I don't know, many people, you will realize, hey, like, it's a thing. 
<laughs> I treat it with respect. I'm preparing myself. But in the end, it's not so hard. I mean, I can do it. I survive it. And afterwards, I feel great. And it's the same with cold exposure. So you can bring your system into a state of yeah, learning to deal with it and then also benefiting from it and getting better and better. So let's actually do a breathing exercise together now. Mm -hmm. I suggest that if you're driving your car, it might be a good idea to pull over for this. But otherwise, I think we should be sort of fairly good to go. So I'm going to pass over to you and I'm going to follow your instructions yes. as well myself. Yeah, thank you also for the advice with the car. I think that's a very good one. So please follow it. Make yourself comfortable. Like also if you're sitting in a chair or laying on your couch or laying in your bed, that's perfect. And then you just close your eyes for a moment and put one hand on your chest and the other hand on your belly and just tune in with your breath. What do you mean by tune in with your breath? Just observe your breath for now. Just feel like how you are breathing, how fast you're breathing or how slow. I think we should be following your advice to breathe through our noses as well. I will come to that, Andrew. So okay. just let me guide people through it, please. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being too controlling. <laughs> just, just lay back and relax, Andrew. Close your eyes, close your mouth for now. And just follow. It will be nice. <laughs> so, I trust you. <laughs> thank you, Andrew. <laughs> exactly. So after that, smile, smile helps to relax us too. Um, just observe your breath and observe how you are breathing, how fast and how slow. Also observe if you breathe through your nose or if you breathe through your mouth. And for now, you don't need to change anything. You just observe how you're breathing, no matter if it's slow or fast, if it's mouth breathing or nose breathing. And then also observe with your hands still laying on your belly and your chest, which part of your body is moving. If it's like more your belly moving up and down, or if it's more your chest moving up and down. And also here, you don't need to change anything. And just observe. And after you've done that, it's kind of like your baseline of, okay, how do I breathe now in this very moment? And your breast pattern might be connected to things that you feel in your body, emotions and thoughts. And now we are going to change our breaths together bit by bit, very slowly. So you start to breathe through your nose. And you can become aware of how the breath is going inside of your body, outside of your body, how the cold air feels when you're moving, breathing in and the air is moving in. And how the air gets out a little bit warmer when you breathe out. Maybe you even feel a difference between your right and your left nostril. Like one might be a little bit more free than the other. And you just observe how you're breathing through your nose. Slowly in and slowly out. And after you've established that, direct your breath into your belly so that the hand that is laying and resting on your belly is moving slowly up and down. So you should feel your hand on your belly moving up and down. Whereas the hand on your chest is barely moving at all. You just keep on doing that, start to feel comfortable with just breathing through your nose into your belly. And as a third and last step, we will also change the rhythm of our breath. We start to make it very slow 
and you can follow to my count. So you inhale when I'm counting to four and you exhale when I'm counting to six. So we do it all together. Breathe in through your nose. One, two, three, four. And exhale for one, two, three, four, five, six. Inhale, one, two, three, four. And exhale for one, two, three, four, five, six. Continue in that pattern and count for yourself. And you might count a little bit faster or a little bit slower than I did before, and that doesn't matter. And you just observe your breath, how it's moving in and out of your lungs, in and out of your belly. Feel the airflow in and out of your nose. You can keep on doing that for a while. I recommend like two to three minutes to start with. And for now, you can come back to your natural rhythm of breathing. Oh. Maybe you want to exactly take like three deep breaths. Maybe it even like turns into a yawn. You can stretch your body a little bit, stretch your arms, move your shoulders, move your neck and your head. And then you can open your eyes again and kind of come back. Particularly when we were breathing out or when I was breathing out, the five and the six, I could really feel myself sort of relax into a deeper sense of relaxation, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Like the yogis, they already know since, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of years that if you elongate your exhale, you're kind of helping your body to switch into the parasympathetic mode. So you help to that your autonomic nervous system is making the switch from running after the bus to chilling on the couch, like from being sympathetic to being parasympathetic. And yeah, you do that with long exhales breathing through the nose and breathing into your belly. And the wonderful thing about this is we can do it anywhere. We can, you know, walk out of our office for five minutes and do some breathing exercises. You know, it's available to us anywhere, Mm -hmm. anytime, and it's free. Yeah, that's for sure. Exactly. You can do it when you're waiting in the supermarket till it's your turn to pay or when you're at the bus stop or when you have missed your train and you might be like, oh, I missed my train. You know, you can do these things and kind of give your mind something else to do than to think of all the things that you need to do. So how did you discover the healing power of cold? Yeah, so it was after my burnout. I was back from my travels, back from my gap year, and I was getting more and more into breathing and into yoga and I was planning to do my yoga teacher education. And then one person showed me like a YouTube video of Wim Hof, a Dutch man who is known for his extreme sports and extreme. Yeah, he has like a lot of, he ticked off a lot of boxes with doing extreme things in the cold. And in his video, Wim is saying, oh, with my technique, like the Wim Hof method, um, you can change like your immune system. You can train your cardiovascular system. You will get rid of your depression <laughs> and your burnout. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds like almost too good to be true. And that guy is also like on YouTube and I love him. Like, and I like care for him and I think he's great and awesome. But when you first look at him, you think like that guy might be a little bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Only a little um, bit crazy. Yeah. 
And, you know, you don't know at the first moment who can you trust on the internet, who you can you trust on YouTube. There are many people talking many things and many of them are not, like, you know, lies or not true or not valid in a scientific kind of way. So, but I was intrigued, like Vim intrigued me. And I checked because I was like a PhD in molecular biology by that time already. So I know how to do research. And I kind of looked up what Vim claimed and looked up in the scientific database if I could find any proof for what this man is telling me. And actually, I was surprised by, oh, yes, their study about the Iceman Wim Hof, their studies about the Wim Hof method when he trained people to, like, in a way, use his technique, which is breathing, mindset, cold exposure. And I yeah, could see, oh, wow, these people can really reduce their inflammation, can strengthen their immune system. They have less pain. They feel better. And I mean, this is like, I was surprised, to be honest. And I contacted the researchers from the study and my job at that time in a biotech company with a really cool team and cool boss gave me the opportunity to set up a corporation between us and the Iceman and the um, researchers in the Netherlands. And so I got to know Wim, I got to know the Wim Hof method in 2015-16, something like that. And I helped to supervise a study together with researchers who like really did the study. And it was a great time. And yeah, also felt for the first time the power of the cold because Wim did not give me a different choice than to have an ice bath with him when I was visiting him in the Netherlands. And So how did you feel before you plunged into that ice bath for the first time? Mm, I, I was afraid. I mean, I did not want to go. I had a very strong inner voice that told me not to do it and to find excuses for not doing it. So I was coming up with things like, I don't have a bikini with me and <laughs> all these things that you can think of. Like, I don't have time and I don't have a bikini. I need to set up, like, think about the study and make a phone call. But Wim was really persistent. Um, so I had my first ice bath together with Sam. And of course, I had like, all these like fears of, oh, I will be failing, failing in front of the Iceman. I will be cold afterwards, <laughs> maybe for the whole day. Like I had all of that, all of the typical thoughts. And I can very much relate to participants in my courses because I know how it feels. I know what kind of thoughts you're having just before you're about to take an ice bath. And I went through it together with help, together with Wim. And then I just overcame that in a way, fear and inhibition and actually had my first dip in the ice cold water. And I was surprised. I was surprised that I could do it. I was surprised that it was easier than I thought. And I was also surprised by the effects after so that I would feel like so happy and healthy and strong also like inner strength like bodily strength but also inner strength and I was convinced like I was like wow this is like instant effect and how long were you in for mm, not so long I did not stop the time like Wim was obviously longer <laughs> in the water than me are we talking five minutes 15 minutes 30 seconds no we are talking minutes so maybe like two minutes or something one or two minutes like I reached a point of calmness in the water. Like first my breath was changing, being like, <gasps> and then I was like, okay, I can relax. And I reached that moment of acceptance of being here now and being okay with it. And then I went out and Wim stayed <laughs> a little longer. <laughs> I sort of understand because I went to one of those British schools where, first of all, it was an outdoor swimming pool mm -hmm. and they insisted, we're talking the 60s here, that whatever the temperature was in the summer, you had to go in, in the summer term, you had to go into the swimming pool. The summer term starts in May, <laughs> And, you know, it can be blooming cold in England in May. Uh -huh. It can actually be very cold in England in August as well. So I was trained from a young age. So I will go into the lakes around Berlin. I have gone in sort of, if it's a nice day in late April, early May, I would actually go in and there will be, you know, two other people at the lake as well. And, you know, I will stay in long enough to do a very quick circuit. And you do feel a great sense of elation as you come out. 
So I can sort of understand. I'm, I must admit, I don't know if I'd be up for minus 17 outside because, you know, at the end of April, beginning of May and a, a nice day in Germany, it's not that cold outside. <laughs> so, you know, you talk about the healing power of cold. What did the cold heal for you? Hmm. Like I think the most impact that ice bathing and Wim Hof in person and the Wim Hof method and the community around it gave me was a feeling of inner strength, like the feeling of like, I can trust. Yeah. I can also trust myself in difficult situation that it will be fine. I think this is the biggest thing. So for me, it was more a mental switch. And it translates also to other areas of the life. That's what I found for me. And that was uh, making the biggest impact because I found like, okay, I've dealt with a situation where I thought I cannot do it, like an ice bath, for example. And then like a year after, or maybe a little bit more than a year after, I climbed up a mountain in my, in a way, <laughs> in shorts, <laughs> in, a, in a short bra. And it was minus degrees outside, it was snowing. And we walked up for three hours. And I did also think here, like, oh, I cannot do it. I was afraid. Oh my God. Am I strong enough? Um, is my body strong enough? And I was walking up and I was like, wow, I did it. And like, I could feel this, like, kind of getting more trust into my abilities of what I'm actually able to do. And that also helped me in the long term to really quit my job in that very cool biotech company that I mentioned <laughs> to become self-employed and say like, hey, okay, I have this challenge. Now it's also just a mental challenge in the end. Becoming self-employed is also a mental challenge, like a nice buzz, like climbing a mountain in shorts. It's like something like where you're thinking of, oh, security is here. Security is staying warm and nice and getting your monthly income, <laughs> that's security. <laughs> and on the other side is like this challenge of, oh my God, like, can I do it? It's exciting. It will like push me to my limits mentally, maybe over my mental limits. And when you have that, like, it's always like I learned to, I can go for it. Like, I can trust myself. I can go for it. I will be fine. I will get warm afterwards. <laughs> now, what if you don't really like the cold? <laughs> Are there so many challenges out there? I mean, of course, I'm sitting here now together with you to talk about breath and cold exposure. But hey, people run marathons, ultra marathons. People go on a fast, on a vision quest. People go to 10-day silent Vipassana retreats. These are all mental challenges. Like, it doesn't need to be cold exposure. I'm a huge fan of cold exposure. I love it. I love to teach like the cold as one way to kind of challenge yourself and overcome a fear. But there are so many other things out there. And if you don't challenge yourself, what tends to happen is your comfort zone shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And really, it could be that challenging yourself in cold isn't exactly the right place for you, but you do have to challenge yourself. Otherwise, your world shrinks and shrinks and, you know, it becomes a very, it becomes a prison eventually. So you do have to challenge yourself. I believe that, yes. <laughs> because you can't find the meaningful life, which is what this is all about, without challenging yourself. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of setting yourself a challenge, becoming sort of your own hero. I'm full of admiration for the mountain climbing. I won't be doing that, but you might get me into um, a cold lake somewhere. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's set a bit of a challenge for people listening to our podcast, because we all have access to cold water. At least I hope we all have access to cold water. So let's imagine we're going to take a cold shower and we're going to do this properly. We're going to build up and we're not just going to leap in and leap out. We're going to take a proper cold shower. What might be the benefits of us taking a cold shower beyond saving on your hot water costs? <laughs> I mean, like one of the best benefits for me, I'm like talking about me first, is like just this morning, like I did not sleep so well tonight. And then I was like, ah, oh, okay, have a shower, warm shower first, washing my hair. And then at the end, I took like a cold shower, like also over my face, over my head. And the effect for me is just like I'm getting 
vague. I'm getting less grumpy. Like, you know, I, some, I tend to have sometimes of morning grumpiness, especially if I don't sleep well. Here's a good German word for it. You're a Morgenmuffel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm Morgenmuffel. But after my cold shower, I'm just a better person. So <laughs> I like that for myself and also for my partner. So <laughs> I take regular cold showers. He says, go and take a cold shower. Unfortunately, in England, we think of cold showers as something to cut down the libido, but actually mm. it's a way of finding peace. Mm -hmm. I think so. Like for me, really, it makes me happy. It makes me awake. And there's one hormone involved in it. It's called noradrenaline or norepinephrine, some more English expression, and really makes you awake and happy. And is also reducing your inflammation. So like it's one of these hormones that can do it all. Yeah, also cold showers are a great way to train your cardiovascular system. Also, if you make the switch of warm and cold and warm and cold, like it really helps your cardiovascular system. It helps to strengthen your immune system too. So it's, it's a great, I mean, it's so easy. And the only thing that you need to do is to overcome that inner voice that says like, oh, let's keep it at a warm shower today. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so... Let's say that we're, or at least I'm going to commit to trying this. So how do I prepare myself? I'm standing by my shower and I'm getting ready to switch to cold. Mm -hmm. How do I mentally prepare myself yeah. or with my breath or what? How do I prepare? Mm -hmm. I think the first thing that you need to remind yourself of is your reason to do that. Like your reason to really commit to a cold shower in the morning and might be helping your immune system or training your cardiovascular system or to just <laughs> get, <laughs> get more awake and happy. And once you have your reason, once you've found your why, it gets a little easier because then. Okay. I want to challenge myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to get out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to become, you know, a tiny little bit of a hero. Yeah. Um, I'm going to activate that hero archetype inside myself. Nice. So, yep. So nice. we've got a reason for doing mm -hmm. it. What next? Once you have that, first, please feel free to have a warm shower first. That's great. And then start with something that is. Like for the first time for you, easy to achieve. Like don't make the entry hurdle too high. Like choose something that you are able to achieve and that is creating a success for you. For some people, it is on the first day just showering off their feet and their legs with cold water. And that's mm -hmm. a great achievement. That's fine. And tomorrow you can go further. You can start feet and arms. <laughs> and then you go every day a little further until you shower your whole body with cold water. For other people, it's more like, okay, I shower my whole body with cold water, but I don't go for the extreme. Like I don't go for all the cold water that could potentially come out of my shower, but I go for the middle position or like lukewarm and then look cold and then making it every day a little bit colder. And by setting a good goal for yourself, an achievable goal, it also helps you to continue with your practice and creating success moments of, wow, I, I actually did that and tomorrow I will do it again. And maybe I elongate the time under the shower or I will um, make it cool with the water or I shower off more body parts with cold water. So yeah, once you have your reason and your why, you kind of define for yourself, what is my, my, my goal for today? Like you set a starting point that is like not too hard to achieve. And then you can take sweet deep breath. Like I don't talk like Wim Hof breathing. Please never do Wim Hof breathing in the shower. It's not a good idea. But just like make sweet sighs of relief. For some people, one might be enough. Yeah. But mm. yeah, just do that kind of release tension of your shoulders, tension of your face, tension of your body. And then just start and relax into the cold is that mm -hmm. what you're trying to tell us to do yeah for sure relax into the cold your breath will first change especially if you come to the parts of your chest or your your back like your breath will very likely become a little bit faster maybe you like to breathe through your mouth and that's totally normal and then you can in a way slowly change it again to 
longer out breaths, slow breaths, maybe even switch to nasal breathing again so that you help your body to kind of get out of the stressful situation so that your mind helps you. You set your mind to parasympathetic <laughs> by changing your breath so that your body realizes, hey, it's not so dangerous as I was thinking. And when you're preparing people to go into an ice bath or to go into a lake in the winter when it's going to be, you know, really cold. How are you preparing them? Mm -hmm. Are you doing anything different from that? Uh, it's in principle the same steps, but I would always recommend these people first to uh, do cold showers. So as a training before they have a cold dip, I would also ask them more about contraindications, like if they have high blood pressure or heart problems. And I would like exclude people or like tell people, hey, if you have a cardiovascular disease, please check in with your doctor if you can really take that cold plunge. So I'm like giving them the whisper, like, you know, the check <laughs> checkpoints <laughs> because What we know is that every healthy person can really do a two-minute cold dip and will be absolutely fine. But not every person is healthy, so we kind of need to check that first. And then all the healthy people, <laughs> they can have a dip. And also, if you go and have a plunge, there are a few more things that you need to keep in mind than in your shower at home, especially that you shouldn't overstay your time in the water because it's hard to sometimes feel Uh, what you're able to do. So maybe, especially if there's a group there, which I always recommend that there's at least one more person, but then it's like, maybe you're distracted, like a little child, you know, being in the water and not knowing, oh, is it already time to get out? And so I like to give people like a two minute frame for their first ice bath um, that they get out after two minutes because that way they can easily warm up again afterwards. They can easily put on their clothes Because that's also something not to like underestimate the mobility of your fingers will change um, once you have been in the cold, but you still want to be able to put on <laughs> your, your clothes and close your zippers and shoelaces. And so don't overdo it. So there are a little bit more security advice that I give also to not swim like You would say it's common sense, but sometimes people forget because they are inspired by Wim Hof and other people. And they see these people swimming, like Josef Kerbel, making like extreme things in the water, swimming long distances in cold water. And I say like, start slow, be in the standing area. Also muscles sometimes don't like the cold so much. You might get a cramp in the middle of the lake. It's never a good idea. Also not in summertime. <laughs> so please don't do it in winter. And I just remind them of some safety advice. So in our cold shower, we're aiming for about two minutes in the cold shower to start off with. Yeah, two minutes is great, but also 60 seconds give you a great benefit. So something in between like 60 till 120 seconds. And how do you get warm again? Because, you know, I love the swimming. I mean, I'm not a winter swimmer, but I'm sort of I'm swimming earlier and finishing later than most people, but it's blooming cold getting out and getting your clothes back on. Are there any tips for the transition? Yeah, I mean, there are. Like if um, people like to get a picture or a movie, like a video clip of it, there's something called like the horse stance. It's not an invention by Wim Hof, but adapted by him from like martial arts. It's kind of like a stand where you go very deep, like lower your hips very deep so that your ties are working a lot. And your ties are one of the biggest muscles in your body. And when your muscles are working, they produce heat. Huh? And you kind of, that's how you're creating body heat yourself by slowly and steadily Yeah, being in that position. Like, I don't recommend like anything crazy, like running very fast or making headstands, but the horse stance is really a perfect way to warm up again because it's slow and steady and helps your body to slow and steady get warm again. Because what I've been thinking about as you've been talking is we all have to deal with pain and discomfort. And there's a big difference between having it imposed on you by life and 
everything else like that, and actually choosing it. You know, we choose to go and see a scary movie and be frightened. We can sort of choose to have the discomfort. And I mean, there is pain really of going into really cold water, isn't there? Do you think that actually choosing something is something important? For sure. Yeah, I believe that. It's also one of the biggest challenges for people. Like I see so many people being stuck, being stuck with jobs, relationships, things that are not really healthy for them. And they are afraid to choose. They are afraid to choose yes or no. And I think choosing is very important to also, in a way, get back the power of, hey, I'm the one directing my life i have the ability to choose and then there are many many things where people are like believe like oh i cannot get out of the situation it's i'm like there's no way out i know that feeling because when i was about to finish my phd i had that too it was like the only way was to finish that phd like i did not see any other way out but obviously there have been many but i did not see it like, I've just mm-hmm. seen that one pass. Like, I need to finish it. Like, there was a pressure, huh? like, that it burned me out. And to kind of give people, when people start to see other ways, it usually helps them, even, even if they don't choose them, you know? <laughs> even if they still choose for, okay, finish that PhD. But at least to have the freedom of choice and to know, like, hey, I could actually, in worst case, I could just through it all, and say, you know what, guys? I'm quitting. <laughs> Never see you again. <laughs> Bye. And to kind of have that in, in the back of your head gives you such a liberating, like a, I can always do that. It might not be the best option, but I can always do that. And I think that's a great power to learn again, that we always have the power to choose. We have the power to choose for something difficult and to go through it and to say, okay, it's like three months hard work. I'm just like, oh, do it. Or it's like three minutes of hard work with the ice bus and I'm doing it. I'm going through with it, like train our mind to be strong. It is a ritual that we go through, Mm -hmm. a ritual of change. Mm -hmm. And we need rituals in our life. You know, I think one of the reasons why a lot of our lives are unmeaningful and haven't got any magic in them is we've actually taken out all the rituals of transformation and change and moving from one period of our life to another. And we need more rituals. And the idea of going with a group of people and challenging yourself by, I don't know, running across fire or going into cold water is a way of bringing some ritual and some magic into your life. So, you know, I can really see the attraction of it. So thank you very much for telling us about that. No, I'm very happy to share. Yeah, I totally agree. I love these rituals. Actually, cold exposure is used in many, many cultures as a ritual to wash yourself off. Like the old year, old sins even, um, like in more religious contexts. It's like, if you start to look into it, it's, used as a ritual since a long time. A purification ritual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and visit our website, andrewgmarshall.com forward slash podcast, where you can join our supporters club and unlock bonus material and other benefits. Now, one of the advantages of becoming a supporter of The Meaningful Life is you can write into us. And I have a letter which sort of almost fits into exactly what we've been talking about. So uh, thank you very much to our correspondent. I feel exhausted by my work in a startup tech company. It is partly the nature of the industry, which can be full on and attracts a lot of younger people who throw all their energy at the problem in hand. And there is always one. In my early 40s, I'm now quite senior, but that doesn't seem to give me much more control from the never-ending panic situations about funding, new products, or just general office politics. Over the past four years, I've had a string of health issues, none of them particularly serious, but I get everything that's going around. Sometimes I wonder if it is a pattern. If I'm honest, it's been a long time since I worked on a project that I felt passionate about rather than to pay the bills. 
How do I let go of the security of a well-paid job and find something I really want to do? <laughs> Does this sound familiar, Josephine? That sounds very familiar. I love it. And actually, you know, the funny thing was like yesterday when you wrote me, oh, I included a letter. I was not able to see it. So I haven't read it till now. And I like now it makes me smile so much because I was like, really? It sounds like me. <laughs> I mean, I was younger then, but it's, uh, yeah, sounds like me. So I can definitely feel with that person who has written that letter and has like, my, my compassion in a way. And it is difficult, as you said, it's difficult to get off that nice, comfortable sofa in the warm when it's cold outside. You know, who wants mm -hmm. to go out in the cold? Mm -hmm. And in a, a sort of a symbolic way, that is sort of what this person needs to do. They need to go out into the whatever symbolically is the cold for them. I believe so. Yeah, it's about time. It's about time, especially if your your health is giving you the clues. Like also, my health was dropping dramatically in that time. Like I started to sleep less. I was constantly on, like constantly in sympathetic mode. I was never tired. I was never hungry. I was constantly running away to, or, or like catching that bus, trying to catch that bus. And that is a, a mode where our body cannot regenerate, cannot rest, cannot heal. And that's where you catch everything that goes around. Yeah. For sure, his body would need to calm down. His mind would need to calm down. So what I, and I know like change can be slow or can be fast. I think what I would recommend him is to start to include some things that feel good for him. It could be like doing some breathing, like some relaxation breathing techniques in the morning and in the evening. It could be starting a meditation routine. It could be even starting if that's not his thing, but I think it might be because he's listening to it, <laughs> to our podcast already since a while, <laughs> would be to do something different, like going for one, starting to swim or whatever, but to help his body to kind of calm his mind down. And usually when we do that, Like once I've been away for my job for a year and took the gap, not everybody can do that. But once I did that, I realized also what I need to do. Like it was a hard realization and I almost wish that I would never have made it. <laughs> but <laughs> it was like suddenly so obvious that I can just not continue on that path. And that I, that there are other things that seem like so much like a dream, but that I would really like to do, like becoming a naturopath, becoming a yoga teacher, helping people to deal with stress by meditation. And I was like, I would really love that, but it seems so far away and kind of believe again in the little dreams that come up once we give room, you know, once we step out of our normal life and give like these little plants of dreams, um, <laughs> they sprout and become bigger. I, at one point, wanted to be a writer. And I thought, well, nobody ever makes a living out of being a writer. And, you know, I spent 20 years making a living out of a writer. As it so turned out, you've sort of got to get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Now, for our correspondent, he or she knows exactly where that comfort zone is. And it might just be doing a weekend activity that, you know, actually makes you think, hmm, I don't know if I want to do that. That could be a little bit difficult. You don't actually have to jump into the cold water, do you? You need to really prepare yourself. And the way of preparing yourself is these sort of mini challenges, a, you know, a weekend course on playing the guitar, I don't know, if you're not musical, whatever it is that interests you, there will be something that will challenge your comfort zone that is sort of the equivalent of getting out into the cold. Mm -hmm. I recommend like that person to give her or himself room. Like maybe it's a gap, maybe that's possible, a gap from work can be a long holiday and then use that time like a holiday is possible everywhere. I know sometimes it feels like we cannot even take a holiday, but that's ex especially when we need a holiday, <laughs> like then to kind of take a three week off and say like, you know what, 
I go to a different place, see different people, um, <laughs> switch off my email, switch off my phone and kind of maybe do a 10 day meditation retreat or like a five day meditation retreat or two day meditation retreat and kind of find myself more again. But the problem is, and I think a lot of people then think, well, you know, I've been so stressed, I need to have a relaxation holiday. And they just go to a beach and then they immediately become ill because they've stopped working. So I think it's got to be something that is a challenge rather than just a relaxation sort of kind of break. Ah, a meditation retreat is a challenge, I can tell uh, you. <laughs> I There's no way I could do a 10 day <laughs> silent retreat 10 days without talking 10 days without reading Ugh! that would be that would be right to the very edge for me yeah so um mm -hmm. but not going for more comfort you know mm -hmm. i'm going to make myself feel better by getting even more comfort by going to a five-star hotel mm -hmm. with a beautiful view of the sea sort of kind of thing mm -hmm. we need yeah. some challenge i, I feel i here. love that you mentioned that again because that's i believe what many people do they kind of have a stressful job stressful life and then they reward themselves with that glass of wine or that bottle of wine or that piece of chocolate or that whole chocolate bar and like they reward themselves with buying things and getting more getting that nice car at the end if i kind of get that fund for our company at the end of the year i will get that car but it doesn't make them happy and they need to realize what makes them happy really deep down inside and for me that was over for example meditation calming down getting to know myself better like to really like realize oh actually that doesn't make me happy <laughs> i need to change something fundamentally so thank you for being a witness on the meaningful life today and i have to ask you what makes your life meaningful hmm. yeah i love that question that is very easy for me to answer it's love like love makes my life meaningful love for other people being loved sharing love about what i'm doing it's yeah it's love and do you and your partner take ice baths together is that the ultimate uh, togetherness for a couple <laughs> i don't know if it's the ultimate togetherness but definitely we enjoy challenging ourselves and also we are teaching a lot together and so just Last week, we were climbing up a snowy mountain together with a group of people supporting them on their way. And for sure, that did bring us like these extreme situations that we went through together over so many years that bring us very close together and really see the other person without the mask, like really knowing that person really deeply. Yeah, once again, we think that the best way to bond is to do something nice together, but actually doing something challenging together is also a great way of building the intimacy. So thank you for reminding me of that. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, this is where the conversation ends for most people. But if you're a supporter of The Meaningful Life, you'll get a chance to hear me and Josephine unpick this conversation. And I'm going to share with her what I've actually learned from our conversation today. I'm going to ask her if she's seen anything differently. And most important, I'm going to ask her for three things she knows deep down to be true. If you'd like to find out what those things are and hear the rest of the conversation and all the rest of my conversations on The Meaningful Life, here are the details. You've been listening to The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. You can follow Andrew on Twitter, like him on Facebook, and please leave a review wherever you consume your podcasts. Making, editing, and distributing The Meaningful Life comes with substantial costs, and we'd like to ask for your help. Visit our website, andrewgmarshall.com forward slash podcast, where you can join our supporters club and unlock bonus material for every program, send in a letter to be discussed by Andrew and his guests, and join a community of other people seeking to make their life meaningful. At the gold level, you get even more benefits. Production of The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall is by Michael Dooney. Social media by Madeleine Healy. Sound engineering and theme tune by Sebastian de la Luz Mendoza. And I'm Susie Colick. Please tell your friends and spread the word. Thank you.